I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Go to Johnny Ken On Demand. After 4 o'clock, we'll post up the entire three-hour show from 1 to 4, and you can check it out there at KFIAM640.com or, of course, the ever-popular iHeartRadio app. John has got some time off. I'm here with Deborah Mark, uh, keeping you up to date on the news. If you've noticed that it's been humid, I heard a lot of people I ran into today were complaining how humid it's been in SoCal the last few There's a tropical storm way out there, J-O-V-A, like Hova, Jova. Jova. Jova that is causing these conditions, just like that Hillary thing that came in a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that's why we've had this weird weather pattern of humid conditions, not necessarily hot, but humid. So it's kind of a strange East Coast feel. Uh, I got a lot to come on the show. As I mentioned, Todd Spitzer will be with me next hour to talk about how the Orange County District Attorney's Office is going to handle these smash and grab robbers. We're also going to get an update on that Metro stabbing story from Friday from Blake Trolley, KFI News, they have arrested someone, another stabbing at a metro station. We begin this hour with the border. Todd Benzman is with the Center for Immigration Studies, a senior fellow. Todd's been on our show a number of times before. He does great reporting on what's really going on at the U.S.-Mexico border, particularly at Ground Zero, which is the state of Texas. has a tremendously large border with the country of Mexico. Todd is in Austin now, but of course he has been monitoring the border and doing stories about what's going on, particularly with the smuggling operations of the cartels. Todd, welcome back to the John and Ken Show. Good to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So tell us your latest investigations apparently have something to do with the sophisticated infrastructure that the cartels have to collect payments from families. And one thing I just wanted to ask you, this is still big business, smuggling operations, because the more we hear about people coming in, quote, that apply for asylum and they use an app and they get permission to be in the U.S., and there's still a lot of smuggling operations. Well, just a few years ago, <clears throat> ICE intelligence was testifying before Congress that 
maybe they were earning about a half a billion dollars, $500 billion uh, in 2018, 2017, 2019 in that era. A lot of money, actually, you know, $500 million a year in human smuggling. Their big business was dope. But now, or like as of 2021, by the end of 2021, they were at about $13 billion. Uh, so a uh, big booming industry, the human smuggling business with the border crisis that started up on inauguration day and has never quit. It's only escalated continuously, and there's a lot of money there. Um, I came back from the border on Friday. I was down in the um, Fronton, Roma area. If anybody wants to Google where that is, there are little <laughs> towns down there on the border um, that you never heard of. But um, lots and lots of Central American families coming across, Hondurans and uh, Guatemalans and Salvadorans, huge numbers of them, actually. Big spike in that in those categories. And I'm, you know, with them in the middle of the night as they're turning themselves into Border Patrol because they get processed right into the country. So you have a lot of time to just sort of hang out with them. And I just, just started asking them, well, because just across in Mexico right there, is uh, CDN territory. That's one of the big cartels, vicious, brutal cartel, and nobody crosses their territory without paying. And so I asked them, what'd you pay? One after another after another, and they all were charged $9,000 for one parent with one kid, and it would be $15,000 if there were, you know, one parent and two kids or two parents and one kid. And it kind of went up from there. Do they know this by the time they get there? I mean, how do they get that much money to get to to get to that point? Do they they come with that much money knowing they're going to have to pay somebody? Well, the thing is, Hondurans and Guatemalans are so poor that they can't afford that. So all of these people that I talked to told me that they had gone into debt to the to the cartels that that they had paid nothing down at all. They just had to give uh, the cartels information about where they live and where their families are and that they make arrangements for payment after they get to the U.S. and start working. And so, you know, these poor families um, are just kind of in hock for $9,000 right off the bat. One of them, uh, a couple with, with kids, told me that they their, their fee was 15000 and they managed to sell all their property and everything, television, cars, everything, and they paid seventy five hundred down, but they still owe seventy five hundred. They plan to pay that off. Well, how does that work? In a variety of ways, the cartels have representatives in their hometowns and in their areas. And if the money doesn't come, it gets wired down to the old village to their relatives there, and then those relatives in the foreign village pay the cartels. That's how that works for the most part. Right. Um, I did. I did speak to some that were going to L.A. actually, and they were going to work in L.A. and they were going to pay their cartel representative in L.A. So they were, it does work that way too. They don't. There have is a cartel. There is a cartel rep in L.A. that collects too, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they've got their. You know, they've got a um, financial services arm. Is it is it interest free or the payment that they quote is just all that they want to collect or do they do they add on any interest if you take this over time? Yeah, no, there's a, there's interest. Yeah, if it takes a long time, they're having to pay more. 
Um, a lot of them were kind of like unclear. They didn't seem to care what it cost or anything about that. Just They just wanted to get in. And then they'll just worry about all the rest of that stuff later. Uh, but, you know, they said that if I said, well, what happens if you don't pay? And they're like, well, I guess they could kill us, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, or their family, right, back in the village, right. That's right. Or maybe do some beat them up or do something to them here in the U.S. Yeah, these guys don't kid around. I mean, they got to take that seriously. That's right. It's not like you can file a lawsuit for unpaid debt, these guys. <laughs> right. That's right. You can declare bankruptcy and go to court. No, no, no. Uh, they're they're right. going to get their money one way or another. They're going to squeeze it out of you or your family back home. This is, this is right. terrifying. I mean, the, the numbers that you're citing... And, you know, something else I'm sure you picked up on, you mentioned it in your first report there, that they're coming now from all over the world, that the pattern in the past was Mexico, Central America, but now we're getting people from South America and other parts of the world, aren't we? Well, they're, they're about 40% of everybody that reaches our border now used to be like 5%, but like 40% of everybody's reaching the border are from countries other than Central America and Mexico. So they're coming from about 160 other places. I've met them from everywhere. I've met Dagestanis, Kyrgyzstanis, Uzbekistanis, Afghans, Syrians. Uh, I've met probably a representative from every nation on the continent of Africa. Somebody was, I would say, go ahead, name some some countries, and I'll tell you if I've met them. They're like, uh, Burkina Faso. Yep, <laughs> I've met Burkina Fasoans or whatever they call them. Yeah, whatever you would call them, Right. Do you think that, uh, and you mentioned this too as you were introducing this report, that it started with the advent of the Biden administration, that what, there was a call, oh, the word really does go out around the world, that you have a much better chance of getting into the U.S. and staying there with this new administration? Well, you know, remember, they campaigned hard and loud and long for many months on the debate stages saying that they were going to open the border, that they were going to welcome in everybody. Uh, they were going to set things up so that, you know, the Trump policies that were kind of keeping people home, that they were going to re reverse those on the very first day. And then they followed through. They just started letting everybody come in and releasing everybody. And once they started releasing people at the border, man, it was on. You couldn't stop it. I mean, and, and they didn't even try to stop it. So yeah. that's pretty much what happened. If you let people in, then everybody will come in. If you yeah, shut word gets out. Exactly them, they, right. They That's right. right. That's right. Word gets out to other people around. I mean, there's a network that just communicates these things because a lot of people are desperate to get to the United States. Did you run into anybody whose family or anybody they know had actually suffered the consequences of the cartels for not paying up? Well, I've met a lot of uh, immigrants that that uh, claim to be victims of cartel abuses while they were uh, on their way in. Uh, lots of stories of, you know, women uh, being raped. I'd have people, you know, run up to me saying that, you know, pointing just down the street, the cartel's right there and they just beat us up and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's, if, if you're going to come into cartel country on purpose, uh, you know, you're taking that risk. I mean, you're, that's on you, man. Uh, you're bringing your family in, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, take that risk. So, um, they they will they will hurt you, but uh, not enough so that the majority just stay away, because that's bad for business. So most most immigrants just have a fine time. They pay, they get pushed over, and it works. They get the administ Biden administration 
uh, within a day or two has them up in Chicago or New York or wherever, L.A., lots of them go to L.A., and, uh, you know, everybody wins. So that's most of it. That's mostly what happens. All right, Todd, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. I appreciate it, and good reporting as usual from the border. Sure, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's the Center for Immigration Studies senior fellow Todd Benzman. He's in Austin, Texas, but he has been back and forth to the border with firsthand reports, and this one was about the smuggling operation that the cartels have and collecting from people trying to cross the border. It's not so much getting them to the border from their home countries. As Todd said, when they get near the border, they're told, hey, you're not crossing until you make an agreement to pay us thousands and thousands of dollars. Johnny Ken Show, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Coming up after 2.30, I'll be talking to Blake Trolley, KFI News about the arrest of another attack at a metro station. They did finally arrest a guy for the attack on Friday on another man on a platform at a metro station as that crime continues. There's also some updates on the continuance of smash and grabs and robberies at stores. A couple of wild ones (coughs) occurred over the weekend, including a mob that decided to steal cologne and perfume. From a department store. I guess that's expensive, Deborah Mark, colognes and perfumes. You can spend a lot of money on some of that stuff. You know, you you walk into any department store. I don't do it as much anymore because a lot of stuff is purchased online. But as soon as you walk into the ground floor, that's the first department you see because that stuff is marked up. The makeup, the perfumes, the colognes, the markup on those is like alcohol to a bar. It's a big moneymaker. For the department store, so you just you just start gagging when you walk in there because that smell is. Oh, everywhere. I love the smell. It's too heavy, though. Uh, I, I don't mind the smell, but it's like it's because they've been spraying it and using it on customers, and it's just everywhere. It just chokes you. Do you like when it you when walk- they come up to you, Ken, with that little piece of paper and they spray it and they ask if you want to smell it up close? They and personal. don't do that as much with men, I don't think. Right? They usually pick out women for that test. I, I mean, I think. They do both. I mean, because men need to smell it too, right? If they yeah. are trying to figure out a cologne. Men are just not big cologne buyers. I mean, I realize there's colognes for men, but that was like a 70s thing, like a disco thing where guys would have a lot of cologne <laughs> on in those bad polyester suits. And, oh, <laughs> yeah. Am I right? Or, no, I I, yes. I, and I, I do know oh, some men. commercials. I was watching football yesterday and a couple of commercials came on for male cologne. So I, I like a good male cologne. I do. I like when men wear cologne, just not too much. You walk up and sniff them. Is that what you're telling me? Well, no. If sometimes I don't have to walk up and sniff them. They just walk. They're a mile away and I can smell it. How about the guy like in the office who has so much cologne that it's all over the phone when he talks and stuff like oh, that? Oh, God. You can, you can smell people's... That's gross. <laughs> um, exciting news this afternoon, Deborah. The U.S. has approved the COVID-19 vaccine update. Yep. Uh, the FDA has uh, approved the newest shots. Now it's just up to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to sign off here's my prediction nobody i'm getting it so one person well you're getting it with the flu shot because you can do both apparently the yearly flu shot i mean they want to fold it in we talked about this a year ago that you would probably get the covid19 vaccine they're calling it an update more than a booster it's just an updated version for the latest variants that you could go now and get your flu shot i think that's what i did last year yeah that's what i'm gonna do i mean i'm only doing it I'm going to get the flu shot. I get that every year. I always have. 
but I am going to get the updated booster because I am going to be doing some traveling. So oh, you're, yeah. My you're doctor recommended it, but I, I don't think I would have if I wasn't going to do the traveling. See, that's probably where I'm at. I don't know. I mean, was it last year or the year before? It was the first time I think I ever got the flu shot, the annual flu shot. I can't believe that you don't get it every year. Then nothing's happened. Well, you're so. lucky, but just one time, I'm telling you, I've had the flu before, and let me tell you, it is. Oh, I've had the awesome. flu. It's been a long time, but it the the actual vaccine just hasn't been. You know, they have to guess as to what strain might be circulating, and they I tend know. to do a poor job at that. I just think it's better than nothing. So I'm a stats guy. I looked at the stats and said, well, if there's only a 13, 15 percent chance, 20 percent chance, I got the right strain. I mean, what's really the point of be getting the annual flu shot? I get that. I just feel that this is the way I look at it. If I didn't get the flu shot and I got the flu, I'd be kicking myself. So I kind of look at it as in that way. So even though I know sometimes it's only 30% effective, I just feel that, you know, maybe, maybe. And I have knock on wood. There's no friggin' wood in this room. But uh, hopefully I will not ever get it again because that was awful. So you believe all this hype about twidemics, triple-demics. The, the El Segundo Times finally ran a story over the weekend. Their longtime COVID reporter, Ron Gong Lin II, actually did a story basically that why no one is talking about new mask rules as COVID-19 rises in L.A.? I mean, their conclusion was that, yes, everybody has a lot of immunity now and uh, there are all sorts of medications out there and there are updated boosters. But it's like, wow, even Barbara Ferrer is quoted as saying... I'm not really focused on masks coming back as a mandate. She well, because said nobody wants to wear them. It's not going to happen. You want to wear them? Go ahead and wear them. It's a small percentage of people. I did see a few because I was at the airport over the weekend. There was a couple people on the plane, a couple people walking around the airport. I was at a store in the Bay Area that still has a sign in the window. We appreciate if you wear your mask. Oh. I looked in there and none of the employees are masking. So we, I think they just forgot to, to take it down. I, I was at the DMV. Last week, because I had to renew my oh, driver's then you license. Wanna, you want to wear a mask? You want to take I, like an oxygen tank to protect yourself? I didn't yeah. wear a mask, and I probably should have, but I stayed away from everybody. But they, their workers were all masked up. They're they're wearing their masks under their nose, and I wanted to say, why are you even bothering? I didn't. <laughs> the DMV workers. I yeah. didn't want to say anything. There's a brilliant IQ batch. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken KFI AM six forty. We're live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Miss any portion of the show? We're on live one to four, but you can pick it up. John and Ken On Demand. Go to KFIAM640.com or, of course, the always handy, always popular, Always important iHeartRadio app to pick up any part of the show you missed. Crime sprees continue, even though we're being told by a lot of media outlets that it's all in your imagination. Coming up after 3 o'clock, my guest will be the Orange County District Attorney, Todd Spitzer, who wants to make it clear once again, if you commit these kinds of crimes in his county, won't be treated the same the way it is in many other parts of California, of course, including Los Angeles County, where we have the DA, George Gascon, in charge. Uh, right now, we're going to give you a couple more of these stories, but we're going to start with an update on a story we talked about on the show Friday. Thursday afternoon, there was another attack aboard the metro system of L.A. County. This was a train in downtown Los Angeles, and a man was stabbed to death. Blake Trolley's been covering the story for KFI News and has the update on the arrest of a suspect. Blake? Yeah, Ken, well, police have found the killer, as you say, or the alleged killer. Police have arrested 31-year-old Randy Nash. He was found in South L.A. on Saturday night. Now, the picture we're getting of what happened has become much clearer since last week. Our initial understanding was that this stabbing happened on a platform. Now we're learning that this stabbing actually did happen on a red line train. Police say Nash walked up to 23-year-old Jesse Rodriguez and stabbed him without warning, without provocation. We're told officers Officers who were on the platform responded and found Rodriguez with a stab wound. Officers and paramedics treated him. He was taken to a hospital where he died. Uh, he uh, Nash is being held on a $2 million bail. Now, Ken, we're hearing there were officers on the platform, and I did see officers on the platform when I was there. There were armed Metro officers, I believe. But I'm still not sure if there was an actual officer on the train. I'm sure you remember we were talking about this Friday yeah. that I was trying to figure out if there was in fact, an officer on this train. Well, I spoke to one rider. She gave me a picture of uh, what security has been like on a route as I still await an answer from the LAPD or Metro on uh, whether or not there was an officer on that train. You know, we talked to one person last month when the Hawthorne thing happened, and what they had told me was that it seems like security, when it comes to these disputes among people, they don't really get involved unless they think something, you know. I've never seen security. You never see security here? When that type of stuff happens, no. How many, like, fights or things like that do you see? I've seen a couple fights, but not, like, crazy. But you notice a complete lack of security is what you're saying? Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. It just depends on the day, I think. I don't know. Gotcha. And what is your route, do you, can you share your route with us at all? Well, I take the train to Union Station. From Union Station, I have to take the metro here. 
how often would you say you see security versus not see security? Maybe two out of five times. Five so less than half. Yeah. And you said you see a lot of drug dealing, crack pipes, things like that? Yes. Do you ever see drug use on the train? Yes. Somebody, I started, I smelled smoke one time and I turned around and somebody had taken out their little aluminum foil and they were cooking up something and they took out their crack pipe. Do you feel safe taking this, this train? Yes and no. I take <laughs> it with other commuters that go to work, so it's just like... But sometimes it's just still... Yeah, sometimes it's like a little too much, but I mean, what do you have to do? And that was one of the sentiments I got, Ken, was, well, I take it when other people take it. In fact, one woman, I was doing those interviews in the middle of the day on Friday, and one woman basically said, you should probably get out of here. You know, it's, it's probably not safe that <laughs> you, you hang out down here. And it was a little sketchy down there. Like I said, I heard somebody threaten to hit somebody in the back with a machete. There was just a lot of sketchiness, a lot of shadiness uh, around that train station. I mean, I did feel uncomfortable. I can't lie about that. And it really made me wonder about the level of security. I did see two armed security guards down on the platform. But when we hear about this guy walking up randomly to another uh, passenger on the train and stabbing him, or at least stabbing him without provocation, I shouldn't say randomly, we don't know that yet, it still makes you wonder if there was even an officer uh, on that train. Uh, what do we know about Randy Nash? Any criminal background, gang membership? Could this have been that kind of thing? I am looking into Randy Nash, whether he was a gang member or whether or not he was homeless. Those are still inquiries that uh, I have not uh, Yeah, I forgot about the homeless yet. angle, right? With all this, I forgot about the homeless angle on the trains, too. Because, it, because it, nobody says that there was words exchanged or anything, huh? Yeah, it says he walked up without warning, no provocation, and stabbed him. Uh, but earlier reports we got said that there was some sort of argument. So we're trying to get clear on that. I've reached out to the LAPD. I'm hoping a detective gives me a call and we can get clear on that. But yeah, nonetheless, I mean, this is another high-profile uh, incident on the Metro system. In August, two guys got into a fight. We recapped this last week, but two guys got into a fight. Uh, one guy stabbed the other guy. The other guy got shot. The guy who was stabbed was killed. And just a week uh, before this stabbing at the Pershing Square or on a train at the Pershing Square station. There was a stabbing on a train where the guy stumbled out of the uh, the train car in Highland Park. He was stabbed in the back and the neck, and the, uh, the, the guy who stabbed him took off. So, uh, you know, a few high-profile incidents and, uh, in less than two months, two of those deadly. And uh, we're just trying to get an idea now of, of, you know, what the law enforcement or what the security level is like on these trains right now. So, Blake, was that your way of saying maybe the KFI assignment desk should not send you to these Metro stories? You <laughs> feel like a little uncomfortable yourself covering them and people are telling you to get out of there? I mean, it was, you know, it, it was a little interesting. I was thinking about the uh, the ice rink, Ken, on, uh, at Pershing Square. And I thought, yeah. how do they get people to come off the ice? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they start skating around and uh, noticing their surroundings. It's probably hard to get people to come off. Because this happened at 5.20 in the afternoon. I mean, I, I would never want to be in a metro train or a bus at 3 in the morning. But 5.20 in the afternoon, that makes you a little really uncomfortable. That's when commuters I mean, this are out is, there. Yeah, it's rush hour. There are plenty of commuters on the train. This is when a lot of people are starting to head home. And this jammed up a lot of these riders. I spoke with riders who said they had to go to Union Station. At, you know, the, the Pershing Square Station was inaccessible uh, during that time. And when you think about it, it's probably not just affecting people who need to get off at Pershing Square. I would imagine it was a real effect on people who have to get on at Pershing Square. That's in the center of L.A.'s uh, downtown of the business community there. So I'm sure there were a lot of commuters who uh, had to figure out other means of transportation to get on out of there. All right, Blake, thank you so much for that update. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Ken.
Blake Trolley on the arrest of a man and the stabbing death of another man. We now understand it was actually on a train, inside the train. This is the downtown Los Angeles and the metro system, the subway system there. And again, uh, Mayor Bascon wants you to know that this is going to be your first choice for transportation in the near future. The entire metro system of L.A. County, where you continue to see people robbed or worse, killed in this case. John and Ken, KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM640. Coming up after 3 o'clock, my guest will be the Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer to talk about how he handles these robberies, smash and grabs, all that stuff, versus uh, other DAs who might we be thinking of. Yeah, George Gascon, L.A. County. So anyway, Todd wants to make it clear things don't work the way they do in L.A. County here in Orange County. He'll be my guest after the news at 3 o'clock. Also, we'll give you the results of a poll that was taken of Californians and their opinion on giving cash money as slave reparations. This started back in 2020 with a famous Gavin Newsom task force to study what the state should do to make up for the nation and the state's history of slavery. They came up with some very specific numbers. People overwhelmingly rejected the idea of cash reparations. And I'll give you the results of that poll all across the board. Well, I think Democrats were split, but everybody else, independents, Republicans, and most people by race and background said, no, not going to do that. Don't do that. And the reason why will be interesting. It wasn't so much about the cost. We'll get into that in the three o'clock hour. Uh, We've got your chance to win a two-night stay at an MGM Resorts destination in Las Vegas, plus food and beverage credit just for being the person that listens to KFI AM 640 the most on the iHeartRadio app. It's easy to enter. Download our free iHeartRadio app, follow KFI AM640, and listen to us on the stream all this week through Friday for your chance to win. For official rules, go to kfiam640.com slash rules and visit mgmresorts.com today to plan your dream Vegas getaway to your favorite MGM Rewards destination. Well, ahead of talking to Todd Spitzer after three o'clock about all these robberies, whether they be, they're mostly of the smash and grab nature. I had mentioned back in 2020 when this started into 21 and 22, it seemed to be people being robbed on the street of their watches or their phones. But now it's mobs, probably organized on social media that make their way into malls and stores. There was actually one not far from me. I mean, I live in an area in the South Bay where there's not a lot of this, but there's a jewelry store in downtown Manhattan Beach that has been smashed and grabbed twice. That's really, I guess it's the only one. And it's near the pier. It's in a very public area, but twice people, a mob went in there and smashed the glass cases and took stuff out and took off. Uh, The robbery that occurred yesterday was at the Northridge Fashion Center. And it wasn't jewelry. uh, Six smash and grab robbers stole what's supposed to be $20,000 worth of perfume. Uh, Hammers, and of course, they wear the black hooded sweaters. So you can't really tell what they look like or 
possibly even their race or anything about them. Five or six men made their way into this Macy's at the Northridge Fashion Center and I guess smashed the cases open and took the perfume. Now, normally what happens is they quickly find somebody who will take the perfume off their hands at a price, and then those people quickly go. I mean, we told you that story a couple weeks ago that one of these task forces that L.A. has organized did break up some sort of an operation. I think it was near downtown L.A. where they'd taken over a storefront and they were selling all this stolen merchandise, uh, stuff that looked like it was Target stuff. Uh, what was it? Underwear, I think it was, and socks and stuff like and wasn't that. It, I think, yeah, it was, it was just a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, it wasn't anything real high end. Yeah, I don't know that that's where this would go. The perfume, they may have a different way of peddling it rather quickly. Uh, these guys then got into a black car, believed to be an Infinity with, oh, wouldn't you know it, no license plates, <laughs> and, and fled the scene. But Deborah Mark can tell you this stuff can be high-end costly. I mean, $20,000 worth of perfume. How many bottles would that be, you think, well, of the top brands? Ranges, I mean, yeah, the top brands, you can spend... 150, 350, 400. I mean, I looked online once and some of, I mean, perfume could be $1,000. I mean, it just How much use would you get out of a $150 worth, a bottle worth of perfume? Would it last you a year or not even? Well, perfume lasts a long time for me, but it depends on how much you use it. And if you, use, you, it, know, right. if you use it every day and if you pretty much shower in it or you just, you know, do a few, uh, a few sprays. I have a bottle of cologne that an ex-girlfriend gave me, probably... <laughs> Seven years oh, ago. Oh, you need to throw it out. No, it's I still not, use it. It's it, not. Really? Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's it's very nice. He's turning on the ladies, Deborah. I, it's working. Well, okay, well, doesn't matter if it's seven years old. I want to smell it. Put it on tomorrow. I want to see if it smells. All right, I will. If it's it's you used to have a yeah. She used to have a perfume that everyone liked. I forget the name of it. Organza right, by right, Givenchy. Yes, because people ask. still can to this day. And I actually haven't been wearing it that often. I, I'm tr I'm wearing two other different kinds, but um, I still love that organza. I get so many compliments on that. And, and that's that not that expensive. expensive. Oh, no, the organza one is not. That one is not that expensive. Not. You think it was named because it's awful close to another word? Oh yeah, maybe certain people when they smell it, they have an orgasm. Uh, I don't know. Or you probably like mine, Deborah. It's Chanel. Ooh. Oh, all right. We'll try it on for her tomorrow. All right, yeah. I'll bring it in. Bring it in. Walk around her and see what happens. Don't put too much because then it'll gag me. <laughs> all right. Coming up next, Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitz will be my guest. Johnny Ketchup, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Deborah Mark is in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.